Kingdom of Dreams, Chapter 23, The Great Mr. Stump, narrated by Kevin Coffey. Before peace truly sat in after successfully winning water from the blood-sucking trees of the vampire grove, a humongous knot in the woods spun open beneath them, sending Jimmy, Charlie, Francis, and Lim sliding deep into the rotten tree's core. They spilled mostly uninjured in a pile beneath a darkened alcove. The stump's insides didn't appear nearly as rotten as its filthy outside. In fact, the wood boasted reinforced layers of ridged, armored bark. What about this view, huh? Lim marveled, the wonder of the enormity of the space evidently overtaking even her usual cynical observations. They stood on a wide, smooth wooden ramp that ran along the outer wall. The inner walls were actually embedded shelves filled from floor to ceiling with books. There appeared to be no end to them either. The smell of ancient wood and dust, along with the flicker of well-spaced torches, created a sacred vibe. It's like we're standing inside a giant wooden slinking library, Jimmy said. Then it hit him. He'd been here before. I, I, I dreamt of this place. Jimmy placed his hand on the gnarled wooden wall, half expecting to feel heartbeat. I think we're in the Kingdom Seek. I think we're. I think we're in the Kingdom Sacred Library, the deep stacks. They wandered through countless rows and long aisles filled to the brim with books. As books tended to do, they emanated their own power. Just like it has been, just like it had been in his dream, Jimmy found it a mesmerizing, spellbound place. So too did Francis, apparently. His cat inhaled deeply, clearly inspired by the space to recite more poetry. Ah, oh, the secluded space has that lonely library mood, as if it has a soul, a papery bouquet of rings of knowledge, lovingly planted in rows of sacred silence, a precious garden. Yeah, like you read, Charlie said out of the corner of his mouth. In fact, I am a voracious reader, I'll have you know, Francis replied. You, on the other hand, are a voracious eater. Yes, so what? I got needs, Charlie grinned. Jimmy picked out an odd sculpture nestled on one of the books. It was squat and fat, shaped like a yellow eyeball with a thin black slit for a pupil. Curious, put his face within inches of the painted art. The eye winked at him. Jimmy jumped back. That's a real eyeball, he said, taking a few steps back. Something's back there. The evil eye disappeared with a slurping giggle, leaving an empty black hole. Jimmy pointed out another spy hole. They soon identified many more. Who's spying on us? Slim asked, fully freaked out. A terrible wheezing laugh erupted behind them, apparently coming from the upper bookshelves. Up on a higher shelf, a long green nose with a single plump red eyeball on its end, like a big wart, pushed an elderly but beefy volume out of the way, so they had to dodge it as it crashed to the floor. Peculiar eyeball nose sneezed at them, drenching them with disgusting snot droplets they hurriedly wiped off. A long tongue rolled out one of its nostrils, either to make fun of them or clean up the mess. Either way, it turned Jimmy's stomach. Blimey, the books are coming to life! Francis Worley nodded at the rose. The books appeared to sprout eyeballs on all sides. All of varying, disgusting sizes and shapes mixed with ears, mouths, all body parts that had no business put together. It reminded Jimmy of some wacky modern paintings he'd seen on field trips to art museums. By word, they are vile specimens, aren't they? Francis added. Ahem! A voluminous voice interrupted, apparently clearing the throat. So! 
What do you think of my dreary remains, young man? Jimmy almost leapt out of his sneakers and wheeled around to face the gruff, speaking wooden walls chock full of tones. A great presence filled the room as if the cranky old fogey of the stump itself had spoken to them. Jimmy guessed it had. Who said that? said Charlie, unsure of what might be talking, so he growled and dealt out warning looks to every knot and crack. Meet my army of broken dreams, the voice said in dramatic tone, seemingly coming at them from everywhere. Rejected dreams that didn't make the cut. Never got sent out. They're attracted to dumpy old buildings and rotting things like trash heaps. Or a humongous stump. Lim said out on the side of her mouth to Jimmy. I would watch my tone if I were you, young lady, the voice warned, seeming highly insulted. Broken dreams are quite unpredictable and at times lethal. Oh dear me, the librarians here are killers, Francis shuddered, stowing himself behind Jimmy's legs. More eyes joined the motley's assembly of so-called broken dreams. A ruckus swelled as the creatures all began chattering away in a unique language that consisted of every foul and detestable body sound that obnoxious clicks in his middle school used to make each other laugh. Jimmy couldn't hear himself think. The library was now nothing but a constellation of revolting eyes, blinking, oozing, and sometimes crying. Well, I guess they know we're here, Jimmy said. Indeed we do! Jeff Oak would know you're here! The tree's booming words traveled up from deep within the withering roots. Charlie quieted his barking, backing away from the walls. Jimmy managed to perk up. Oh, hello, I'm Jimmy Rev. This is my sister, Lim. Francis is the cat. Charlie the dog. Oh, great. Once tree stump? You shall not address me as the once tree ever. Tree's wooden sides creaked and shook with emphasis as his voice exploded. Are we clear, young man? Yes, sir, Jimmy said quietly. Not sir, either. You shall call me Mr. Stump. Mr.? Jimmy repeated. You take me for a sapling, young dreamer? No, sir, a, a Mr. Stump, Jimmy said. That's better. Now, I need to better know the miscreants that would nose around my withering roots. Push on the bookcase beside you and follow the corkscrew hallway down until you reach the set of double doors and enter my dining room. Hurry before all my bark slides off my sides and I'm unsuitable even for worms. Not knowing what to expect, Jimmy pushed open the bookcase doorway and, with his family trailing behind him, entered a vast hall that indeed spiraled downward. Just as they twisted around the first corner, a voice assaulted them. Voles of Earth, said a familiar voice. No. Jimmy spun, nearly colliding with a tiny white face, flashing an icicle smile. A gentle snowfall hovered around the tiny nightmare's proud face, blanketing it in soft powder. A fiery blue spark for an eye flashed on and off like it winked at him. Sensel, I don't believe it. How did you? The horse turned his head away from Jimmy to the side as if embarrassed captured. Jimmy couldn't believe it. You mean you were taken prisoner? Cecil nodded. Roots of tree tangled me, pulled me here. Cecil gestured with his neck, indicating the room with a furrowed brow. 
Jimmy screamed as a short figure sprang from the shadow, snatched him to his feet, and hugged him? He was equally surprised as Sensel acted indifferent to the invader's presence. Jimmy, it's me again, now us again. Isn't it great? A half-occupied set of mostly complete Dream Knight armor with an antique vacuum base for a helmet nearly squeezed him to death. Burnox! Jimmy returned his missing friend's bear hug. Who? Lim said, looking the knight up and down, eyeing Burks with a sense of the stranger danger their parents used to warn them about. Oh, this is Burks O'Barden. He's been, he's been helping us all along. He's my imaginary friend, Lim whispered. She lost all color and was temporarily as black and white as the rest of the beard. She weakly shook Burks' hand, suddenly mute. Once we crashed, I wandered around calling for you and fell through that trap door, Burks pointed out. What happened to your body? Jimmy squinted, blinded by searing sunbeams, happily spraying out of exposed forearms and thighs and the broken off sections of missing armor. I need sunglasses just to look at you. Well, Cecil salvaged some of my lost armor, but I'm missing quite a few pieces. That's an understatement, Jimmy thought. Evidently fatigued, Burks had shrunken down to Jimmy's height, and some of the armor dragged behind him when he walked down the spiral ramp, plowing ugly ruts into the bark. The sword looked positively huge in comparison. Jimmy was thankful he still had a weapon, at least. You'd, uh, better grow back into your armor, Jimmy motioned for Burks to grow. On it, Burks said. He ballooned up in size until he could once again fit into the remaining pieces of his armor. Master, I see the aforementioned double doors just ahead, Francis proclaimed with a swish of his tail from his position well ahead of him at the end of the corkscrew hallway's last turn. They joined Francis in the hallway, thankfully free of broken dreams, in front of two giant wooden doors that seemed more like a gate, strange interlocking circle designs carved across them. They pushed open the thick stubborn doors and entered. In the middle of the circular room sat a round oak pockmarked table with a half-moon wooden bench. A conflicted chandelier with issues involving unicorn horns and snake rattles hung from the rafters above it. Ah, finally you bother to arrive, Mr. Stumpine. String music stretched toward them from the corner of the room, where a skeleton sat cross-legged on a stool, playing an old, beat-up violin with a long dagger. Pay no mind to the nightmare in the corner, Mr. Stump instructed. Jimmy scowled. Easy for him to say. Out of a hollow in the wall lived two towering snakes way taller than Jimmy, and even Burke's. Carrying, they carried silver trays with puny arms and legs. The snake men's long tongues flickered, and their eyes darted from side to side as they set down their trays. Jimmy didn't miss the dreamcatcher cloaks they had fastened each of their necks. It was a pretty flimsy clasp that held the cloak up as well, if you asked him. Walking snakes, Mr. Stump trumpeted like he anticipated their thoughts. Maintain your good manners and you needn't fear them. These broken dreams serve me, and now they serve you. <laughs> Nobody else laughed at the surly tree's horrible joke and laughed. The snakes plucked off the dome tray covers to reveal massive platters filled with fresh game. The snakes pointed as Mr. Stump overdid it, identifying each dish in his massive voice, even rolling his R's like a formal dinner host. Impeccably grilled jackalope. Succulent leg of the lake monster. And possibly moist free range phoenix. Go on, sit down. I don't have another millennia to wait. 
hunger burning their insides, Jimmy and the others practically sprinted to the grand table. An assortment of wild-shaped Myrdian vegetables gleamed with dewy bees. A fresh pitcher of rainbow water sparkled invitingly on the table. Even a barctic warhorse-sized share of softened shadow grass and stripped bamboo, or perhaps beanstalk, complete with an oakum water trough on the opposite side of the table. Sensel drooled a quickly evaporating frost. Charlie begged beside Lynn out of habit, while Francis settled on the actual table itself, stalking a dish full of grilled rainbow trout. The stump yawned. No shit, why don't you boil on up? Massive walls creaked and heaved around them as the great Mr. Stump evidently settled into sleep. Jimmy and his companions plowed through platter after platter while the chandelier candles burned lower and lower. Being a daydream with no need for food, Burks looked bored out of his mind, his legs crossed, propped up on the table, reinspecting the numerous gaps in his armor again and again. The second they finished their bountiful feast, the bony musician stood up from his stool, gave them a slight bow, and then evaporated in a curious purple mist. There were heaps of leftovers, and they filled as many pockets and packs now that they had sense of saddle again as possible. Jimmy had to admit the food was unbelievably good and way overdue. And who were they to be picky? They hadn't really had a proper meal since they'd gotten here, and certainly had no idea when they might next eat again. Lim squeegeed out her damp hair with her hands into an empty water pail that Sensel had drained. It made no sense why a dream would eat and drink, but Jimmy wasn't about to ask him about his motivations. The walking snakes crept out once more to remove the empty platters. The snakes said nothing, but their shifty eyes were filled with what Jimmy swore looked like bad intent. Finally, the filthy things slither walked back into the folds of the rotting tree, leaving them alone. Jimmy reasoned a possible pecking order, because as soon as the walking snakes departed, lesser broken dreams dared to come out of hiding to spy on them again. As the light in the room waned, nosy eyes lined the gaps in the crowded walls, blinking, bulging, and sometimes weeping. Crude burps, sobs, sneezes, obscene breathing, crazy laughter, and varying degrees of flatulation polluted the room as the broken dreams jabbered at one another. A shudder rumbled through the floor like the ancient wood had inhaled a breath. Well then, Mr. Stump said anew, full of bellies have we, and a business. You didn't land on me and survive my traps just to watch me rot, now did you? Mr. Stump said in his ever-changing and uber-aggravating shifts in volume. Jimmy shook his head. No, sir. He stood and clasped his hand, suddenly nervous. He sometimes, make that all the time, got hyper-self-conscious when giving speeches. Uh, Mr. Stump, I have come to break the curses that plague Mir. We've done well with the first two, though we didn't quite recover the water droplet nose ringing thing. But we're not sure what to do next. We do appreciate your roots always pointing us in the right direction, though. With your help, we hope to save the realm. The wood creaked again and Jimmy swore he felt a heavy presence lean over his shoulder for a better look at him. Not a good feeling. Well, well, commendable ambitions, the voice considered something for a moment. As I rot and crumble, you are the reason a lot of you still live and breathe. Cackles and wheezes echoed all around them. Jimmy frowned. Mr. Stump's dysfunctional pets grew bolder as the candlelight burned lower. However, you are also the reason I do not 
The laughter ceased. Jimmy wiped clammy hands down the front of his clothes. Oh, boy. You are my captive audience. You must forgive my being forthright. The attention of others is a hard victory to achieve these days. Cold breath spilled from the gaps in the wood and made him shiver. Now let's discuss your bed. My bed? Jimmy asked, still baffled, putting his hand to his chest. Yes, which also happens to be the portal of dreams made from my own luck. Dawn on me that the fate of dreams being successfully delivered depended on the portal's safety. To keep the portal safe, I stored it at the boundary of dreams and reality, the place. And so the bed remained for countless ages, waiting to discover the true bar that would lie in it and dream while I acted as dreams caretaker. Are we following... My bed? Jimmy said again in disbelief. Jimmy jumped as a strange, hacking laugh, perhaps more taunt than laughed, ravaged the space, throttling his eardrums. <laughs> you are something else. As fate would have it, when you turned five years old, Jimmy Rev, your parents took our precious vessel out of the place and put it in your room, calling it your... Big boy bed. The chorus of broken dreams behind the outer walls cackled with cruel snickers. Jimmy nervously scratched his body. This was a lot to take in. Too much. The wood creaked out another groan. Sadness settled heavily in the air. Even the broken dreams remained quiet. Mr. Stump sighed and continued. And not long after that, they came into our world. A natural rogue night terrors that I would never and did not create. He sniffed. In turn, they ruthlessly chopped me down. The great stump hummed a bit in deep regretful memory. Dream expired and came to be. Despite my current state of being, my roots still run deep. Lim stared open mouth at Jimmy. Don't worry, it's surreal for me too, he thought, but wasn't sure she was getting that from him. Jimmy remained quiet until he was pretty sure the tree had finished speaking. He shifted his feet, his nerves still buzzing at a heightened level. I owe you an apology, but that's not enough, is it? No. A great tremor vibrated the wall. Perhaps is a warning. I'm sure not quite sure where to direct his conversation. But we still can right all the wrongs, right? No response came. You'll help us banish the remaining night tears. No response again. But Jimmy managed a feeble smile. You'll help me make things right? Oh, yes, indeed. Things will be made right, boy. Stepping out of the creeping shadows, the walking snakes reappeared. Their beady little eyes and flickering tongues laser-focused on Jimmy. Their necks were bare. No dream catchers. Since a whinny, a horde of other hazy shapes slid out from behind the wall. They weren't close enough yet to identify. Their shapes were hideous. You see, feasting so late in the evening has made you susceptible to the power of my nightmares. 
Jimmy palmed his belly, bloated unnaturally like he was pregnant with an alien baby or something worse. Now that he thought of it, every time Jimmy had ever eaten a late dinner, he had suffered the worst nightmares of his life. Really bad timing to realize that now. Limp's skin was also pale and sickly, her movement sluggish. Francis dozed beside his platter of fish bones. On his back beside his limb, Charlie belched and licked his lips with embarrassment, barely mobile. Even the mighty stencil slapped around on his hooves. What would you done to us? Jimmy burped, astonished at the involuntary belch. What have I done to you? Mr. Stump answered in his booming voice. To think some beings call me thick. The ancient tree cleared his splintery throat and said, You are still the imposter ruler that will never leave this room. I am still the one of the true bars. Hairy roots crashed through the floorboards, tethering everyone in place with firm grips on ankles, wrists, tails, and hoops. The largest of the furry roots constricted around Jimmy and lifted him into the air. His eyes bulged and they coughed. His ribs had to be cracking. Never me, lad! The end of the root taunted him, speaking with a primitive curved mouth like a carnivorous eel. It was the rude root that had served as their guide. Let me go, Jimmy managed to say with his last breath. The wicked stem would crush him in no time. Mr. Stump cackled another wicked laugh like bark being rubbed together. I will let you go when there is no life remaining in your wretched little body. Jimmy's body gave way to the root's suffocating grip. Couldn't move. Not one finger or toe. There was no fighting back being constricted inside the squeeze of such thick wood. Sad little boy, you not suffer long, chided Mr. Stump. Brooks attempted to draw his sword to help, but apparently it was too heavy for him as the blade slid back down into his scabbard. Sensel attacked the tree, biting, gnawing, slashing, stabbing his icicle deep into the wood again and again, with no effect. No, a sleepy limb moaned at the sight of her helpless brother, but she too couldn't move a muscle as the root had bound her legs together. Charlie and Francis snored through it all, still at the table, as the effects of the nightmare feast took its toll. But the defiance from before, when he had cursed the bullies, returned. That was all this tree is now, right? Another bully. Jimmy nodded that he had something to say, and Mr. Stump obliged and loosened his root coils long enough for him to speak. Let me go. You'll let all of us go. And more than that, you'll help us. Jimmy seethed. The terrible root squeezed Jimmy harder, and a cruel laugh poured once again from the walls. <laughs> Perhaps I'll hang your bones as a warning to others. You see, even in my deplorable condition, I will lead this once proud realm as it should be led. I and I alone will defeat the curse. Was the heat around Jimmy increasing, or was it his blood boiling with rage? At the same time, a dripping, swollen pair of eyes casually dropped out of the chandelier, causing it to swing dangerously. What's that? Who's that? No? Mr. Sump's voice deflated. Oh, trouble speaking for such a cocky loud mouth. Are you afraid of my recurring nightmare? Jimmy whispered with a smile. Jerome and smoke and heat were everywhere at once, as if mockingly. 
Droman's smoky tentacle shot out, caressing the tree's interior. Every lethal touch, more wood blistered and blackened, threatening to spark into flames. Acrid smoke again filled the dining room. You're, you're hurting my wood, Mr. Stump stammered in a feeble old voice. And what of those same wooden arms crushing our true bard? Droman sneered in his own whisper. The hairy roots dropped Jimmy with a thump and retreated through the torn floor into the stump's depths. His arms and legs were all numb like Jimmy had no longer had them attached. He crawled to a sitting position, sputtered out a cough while having to sport himself with his arms, a wrist flopping like a doll without the use of his legs. Jimmy gave a respectful nod to Droman, liking the power his recurring night terror brought to the party. Limbs shook and broke into a sweat, seemingly still stricken. Want to tell us everything? Jimmy panted out his threat. Or do you want to become a campfire? Jimmy? Burke said. Jimmy ignored the knife. How do we get the water droplet? No answer. Jimmy nodded to Droman, and hovering ever so close to his master, the knight's hair pressed against a section of the wall with its writhing shadows, and the wood instantly bubbled and warped from the extreme heat. Ah! Mr. Stump roared in pain. The rotten wood's breathing became labored. You have it! You have it! You silly earthborns already have it in your possession! The rotten tree said after taking a second to recover his breath. This is caught in the savage girl's hair. What do you mean? The writhing band of smoke, Drummond reached and plucked a sapphire droplet from the tangles of limbs locks before she could so much as flinch. He also helped instantly dry her hair to a nice, crispy perm. Get away, creep! Lim grabbed her steaming hair protectively, shying away from the nightmare scalding touch. Droman kneeled in front of Jimmy on his base of smoky black coils and plopped the droplet into his open palm. Don't trust that used-up old cigarette. He's up to something, Burks advised Jimmy. Jimmy glared at Burks while he massaged the prickly feeling of blood circulating back into his legs before addressing the tree again with a snarl. What else do we have to do? Mr. Stump sighed. Travel along the side of my easternmost route. That will lead you to the lurking's realm. The third item needed is the fang of the wretched wind devil. Wrench it from his foul mouth. And after that, Jimmy said, Uh, yes, Mr. Stump said with an amused tone, somewhat recovering. To reach the portal and return home, you must cross... The Bridge of Good Measure. A failsafe that I installed in case the wrong types happen to somehow find their way into our realm and inflict damage. Jimmy scowled. And where's this judging bridge exactly? None know, as it does not have a precise location, Mr. Stump said, even more amused. It will find you, and when it does, it will judge you worthy or... Unworthy. Lim raised her head with apparent concern. What does that mean? It means if it deems that you are well-intentioned heroes, you will be permitted to cross and finish your quest. If not, as you say, you will be cast into the place with nightmares like your friend there for a long, long time. Jimmy crossed his arms. Not worry about any stupid bridge. Truth be told, Jimmy was worried about whether or not he could pass the test across. 
but he wasn't about to show any weakness in front of their enemy. What about the last object needed? Why not ask your personal recurring night terror? Mr. Stump asked Jimmy. German blinked his eyes as if nodding. You must claim the last talisman from me, he said with a whisper without fanfare. And what is it, Jimmy said, cautiously meeting his recurring nightmare's eyes. Drummond appeared to shrug, his smoke momentarily forming rising shoulders. The last talisman is a spark. It's yours, if you can take it from me. Perhaps ask nicely, he said. Jimmy blinked and stared at Drummond's shifting black bands of smoke, trying to decipher where he hid his spark. He sensed possible deception, but still... Drummond had been helping him along the tough parts of the journey. Ha! Mr. Stump thundered, causing even Drummond's smoke to seem to flinch and pull his countless feverish fingers from the wood. I know where you hide the spark, filthy night terror! Oh! Drummond hurled the entirety of his smoky body against the wooden wall, causing shrieks from the chorus of broken dreams hiding back there. Master... Drum's eyes gleamed at Jimmy. Jimmy squeezed his eyes closed. Didn't even consider what the right thing to do might be. He had been pushed too far by everyone. Do it, commanded Drummond. With a single tentacle of smoke, Drummond reached up and yanked the chain holding the chandelier. With a twang and a rattle, the chain snapped. The chandelier crashed to the floor like a freed anchor, splintering the wood. Several unicorn horns stuck in the floor. A number of still-lit candles rolled dangerously, and the walking snakes chased them down and doused them with the pitchers of water from the table, all but one. As if in slow motion, the stray candle rolled to a stop against the far wall and... Adios! Jimmy grinned as the candle ignited upon contact. The wooden walls began to crackle with fast-spreading flames. Jimmy's night terror zoomed inside of the cracks in the wood. Mr. Stump screamed.